If you're able, please stand for the reading of the word. This morning I'll be reading from Luke 2, the text for the first Sunday after Christmas. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Please be seated. Good morning. It was really an honor to be invited to be here with you today. So I'm very grateful. And I want y'all to know how grateful I am for this church. This church raised me. Sorry, I'm still a little emotional from Suzetta. I should have known to bring Kleenex with me. That's on me. Um, but I'm so grateful for the ministers and the elders and the Sunday school teachers and the huddle leaders and the quilting club ladies and the mentors who helped shape my faith and many who have continued to help shape my spiritual journey. I knew when I was young that I wanted to go into ministry, but 10-year-old Cynthia never could have imagined that she would be standing here today preaching on this very stage. So thank you for being a part of my spiritual journey. I am forever grateful. I invite you to join me in prayer as we begin. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time to gather and worship you together. Open our hearts as we hear your word anew. May your words be a light for our path. In your name we pray. Amen. So last year, my church sent me on a month sabbatical. I decided to walk the Camino de Santiago for about two and a half weeks on the Portuguese coastal route for a journey of a little over 300 miles. For those who are not familiar, this is a spiritual pilgrimage that has been around for centuries. Every year, around 300,000 pilgrims take one of the several routes that all end in Santiago, Spain. I spent months preparing. Physically, I walked a lot. Spiritually, I met with a spiritual director and spent time in prayer. Mentally, a therapist worked with me to prepare my mind for what I would be embarking on. I researched every single item I might need just to find an option a couple ounces lighter. I had to decide what two outfits I would be okay wearing over and over. I packed and repacked my backpack, determined to keep it at 14 pounds. And then the day came to leave. My husband dropped me off at the airport in Houston, and I boarded a couple flights until I arrived in Portugal. And after months of preparation, all I could do was wait. Waiting was a huge theme on the Camino. 
You wait to find water. You wait for your muscles to stop cramping. You wait for the worst of the weather to pass, and sometimes you can't wait any longer, so you go anyway. You wait for the hostel to open after siesta so you can shower and wash your clothes and get ready to begin the day again. Sometimes you wait alone, and sometimes you wait with other pilgrims, passing the time with stories and drinks and connecting over the ways that your eyes have been opened on your journey. I encountered pain and anger and sadness and grief and frustration, but I also encountered providence and beauty and magic and freedom like I had not experienced. I love churches and chapels and monasteries, so I stopped in every single one along the Camino, multiples a day. Therefore, at the end, I chose to add a path called the Spiritual Variant that took you up through some mountains to visit a couple ancient monasteries. In my evening exploration of these monasteries, I kept finding paintings and icons to Simeon, often called Simeon the God Receiver. All this takes us to the last day of my journey. It's day 17, last day, walking from Padron to Santiago, where I will complete my Camino as I enter the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela. I wake up at 5 a.m. to begin my 18-mile journey for the day and find a small chapel just outside of town. I stop in as I always do, and I realize it's dedicated to Simeon, the God Receiver. They have little cards for pilgrims to take in over a dozen languages that had this written down. You are almost to Santiago. The wait is done. Where's God? Everything I had waited for, prepared for, experienced was almost over. I knew how to wait. I'd been doing it for so long. But what happened when the waiting was over? What happened when everything I had worked for came to realization, when I finally saw that cathedral that I had been hiking towards for 17 days? Was I prepared to find God in that space as well? We've spent the last month celebrating Advent, a season of waiting, a season of anticipation, a season of faith that what we are currently experiencing is not the end-all be-all, because the Messiah is coming. We've acknowledged the dark and the suffering of our own lives and the world around us, and each week we've lit candles and sat in hope, peace, joy, and love that the season invited us to remember. And on Monday, we ushered in a new season, the season of Christmastide. Christmastide is about what happens after the waiting, what happens when God shows up as promised. But we're celebrating more than 12 days of birds and maids and pipers. We're celebrating the birth of that very Messiah we've been waiting for. We remember the story of Joseph and Mary who journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that they can be registered. And once they arrive, Mary delivers her firstborn son. 
And there are angels and shepherds all glorifying God for what they have seen and heard. Mary and Joseph named the baby Jesus, the name given to them by the angel before Jesus was conceived in the womb. And this leads us to our story today, where Jesus is presented in the temple. So hear these words from Luke 2, 22 to 40. And feel free to read along. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to the mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. I really love this story. There's so much going on here. First, we have the presentation of baby Jesus in the temple. We have Mary and Joseph who take their new firstborn baby boy and two birds so that they may present Jesus to God. We are reminded of their Jewish faithfulness as this holy family observes the law of the Lord. Second, we have Simeon's song. Simeon is faithful and devout, a man from Jerusalem, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Because Israel needed comfort and relief. Remember all that Israel had been through up to this point. 
Centuries before, God called Abraham and promised that he would be a great nation. He didn't even have an heir at this point, much less a great nation. But God led them to Egypt, and while they were in Egypt, God blessed and increased their numbers to the point that they could be called a people. But in Egypt, they were still slaves until God used Moses to lead them out. Then, even though God led them to freedom, they wanted a human leader and a king like the surrounding nations that they lived among. So God established a kingship and the line of David. They then deviated from worshiping God and instead turned to idol worship. So Israel was taken over by the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and finally the Romans, which brings us to the current state of affairs in Israel. A world where Israel is not much of a nation at all, much less a great nation. They started off humble, they grew in prominence, only to fall again. They lost their independence, their autonomy, and many had lost their identity as the people of God. Their national identity and spiritual health were in a state of decline, and the Roman oppression was terrible. Israel was waiting for this promised Messiah to save them and set them free again. But back to Simeon. Simeon is looking forward to this consolation of Israel. He knows their suffering, and he has been promised by the Spirit that he would see this promised Messiah who would redeem Israel before his own death. However, Simeon is very old. He knows, his bones tell him, that it is time to go, time to leave this world for whatever God has in store for him. He is tired and weary. He lives every day waiting and wondering when he will see this Messiah in expectant faith that it will happen. And then one day, a day like any other really, a young family walks into the temple a young mother, an older father, babe in arms. And immediately Simeon knows this is it. This is the moment he's been waiting for. This baby was the Messiah he had waited his whole life to see. This child would be the heart of God's saving work. Simeon's faith becomes sight. So Simeon approaches them. He reaches out to the woman, wordlessly asking to hold the baby. She doesn't turn away. Mary lets him take him in her arms. And Simeon begins to praise God. He speaks about the end of his life, that he has fulfilled his purpose somehow, having seen and held this child. My eyes have seen your salvation, he says. Jesus, this infant in swaddling cloth, is salvation. And not just Simeon's personal salvation, he goes on to say, but God's gift of salvation coming to the whole world. Mary and Joseph are amazed by these words about their precious baby boy, and Simeon blesses them also. But next, the story turns a little darker, because this good news comes at a high cost. The presentation of Jesus doesn't end with this beautiful blessing from Simeon. Simeon now pauses and gives a prophecy. 
Simeon turns to Mary and shares that this tiny baby, her son, will be the reason many rise and many fall in Israel. Some will grow as they stand on him, and some will fall as they trip over him. And he will be the opposition for many as their inner thoughts are revealed. And then Simeon turns his prophecy to Mary. Mary, an excited new mother. Mary, an exhausted new mother. Mary, a faithful Jew who is here to present her firstborn to God. And Mary is told that a sword will pierce her soul because of her baby boy. Not the prophecy a new mom wants to hear. And finally, we get to the last part of the story where we meet the prophet Anna. Because Simeon is not the only elderly person hanging out in the temple. In fact, Anna's basically living there. She worships, she fasts, she prays, she never leaves the temple. At this very moment, Anna comes over and begins to praise God. She, too, seems to know exactly who this baby is. And Anna begins to speak about baby Jesus to everyone who is looking for Israel's redemption. Anna, who has spent her life prophesying this coming Redeemer, cannot wait to share the news that the Messiah has come. Their time of waiting is over. And the story ends right where it began. Two faithful Jewish parents who finish everything required by God's law and return to Nazareth and Galilee, where Jesus grows in age and strength and wisdom under the favor of the Lord. This is the perfect story to read as we enter Christmastide and a new year. This is a story about waiting and what happens after the waiting. But the good news does come at a high cost because this is also a story about suffering. Israel has been oppressed and has forgotten who and whose they are. Simeon is waiting for God to comfort Israel. Simeon is waiting to die. Anna is prophesying to people waiting for the redemption of Israel. Suffering has become a way of life for this community. They are living in an expectant hope that the Messiah will come and their waiting will come to an end. But the suffering will continue. Mary will watch as Jesus is rejected by the very people he came to rescue. Jesus will die and be resurrected, taking many with him to fall and rise again. And in the words of N.T. Wright, it now appears that God's appointed Redeemer will deal with the suffering by sharing it himself. Because this is what happens when the kingdom of God confronts the kingdom of the world. It is good news. Simeon has waited his entire life to meet the Messiah, and as he sees baby Jesus for the first time, he knows that creator God is at work to renew all creation. Because salvation is not something that will start 33 years in the future, when Jesus is grown, when he has taught and healed and called disciples and finally crucified. Salvation has come now, and it has come through the birth of Jesus. 
God has taken human flesh, become fully human in 40 weeks in Mary's womb. In this small infant, God is with us, and we have seen him with our own eyes. God has come to share our suffering. We're not alone. Now humanity begins the process of being restored to God's own image. This is a story so much bigger than Israel ever could have imagined. This kingdom brought by this little baby is not just for Israel, but for the whole world. All nations, not just the Jews, will see what God has been unveiling. God sent God's son, this little baby, for the salvation of all people, all the world. And this is the glory of Israel, that they are now the bearers of that promise, the nation from which the one true king has come. And now all, not just a chosen nation, will know the Lord. In a world of suffering, it is a gift of hope. It is a promise of faithfulness that God has and will show up to fulfill what God has set out to do even if it is not what we expected. And not only is this story for all nations, it's for all times. We too know what it means to wait expectantly. We have waited in the unknown, unsure of what tomorrow will look like. We have waited for health diagnoses and grief and loneliness to end. We have waited for our bodies and our relationships to heal wondering if they ever would. We've waited just to be seen. We've waited alone, and we've waited in community. We know what it means to suffer and how it feels to long for a world without suffering. We live every single day in a world that needs hope and peace and joy and love. We share our earthly citizenship with Israel and Palestine and Sudan and Ukraine and Syria and every other war-torn country. We see injustice and death and suffering in every form. But here is the good news. Our time of waiting is over. This is what happens next when faith becomes sight. The part where the kingdom of God has come into the kingdom of this very world, the one that you and I wake up in every day. Jesus has come to deal with this suffering by sharing in it himself. Like Simeon, we have waited expectantly, and now the new king, the redeemer, God, God's self, is here with us in the birth of Jesus. This story of salvation is not complete in any of us, but has begun for every one of us. And praise God, it cannot be stopped in even one of us. God has been faithful in our waiting, and now we are a part of the story of salvation for every nation. May what we see lead us to praise God. And just like Jesus and Mary, and Joseph, and Simeon, and Anna gathered in that temple on that day 
to see the work of God realized. That is what we do when we gather here in church. We tell the stories that we are a part of that are much larger than us. We remember what is good and holy. We remind one another that the Messiah, God's appointed Redeemer, will deal with this suffering by sharing in it himself. And in times of suffering, both in our own lives and in the world, we remember God's blessing and God's presence in each one of us. We wait expectantly, and God is faithful in our waiting. It may not look like we expect, but God is with us. And that is why we come together, to rejoice that God was faithful in our waiting. And now there is hope for the salvation of every nation. The light of the world is among us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, born here among us. May we see and know what Simeon saw and knew and spoke of so long ago. May we prophesy what Anna understood. May our faith become sight, and may we see you with our own eyes. In your name we pray, amen.